I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 177, with guest Emily Hooks. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no-BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, Ask Kickers. Welcome to another episode of the show. As always, I am so grateful that you are here with me. Guess what's coming? The recovery series is coming. I've had so many of you say, when are you doing another recovery series? For those of you that are new to the podcast, I last, so last year, it was already been a year. I did 10 extra episodes of the podcast where I interviewed different women. There was a couple of solo episodes that I did by myself, but mostly I interviewed women in recovery and I got such great feedback from that series. There were 10 extra episodes. If you go over over to the website and you kind of like hover your mouse over podcast, it'll drop down and it'll say recovery. You can find all of them there, all of those 10 episodes. And in three weeks, I'm starting again with another 10 episodes. I'm so excited. All brand new stories that are coming your way. We are talking about love addiction this time. We're talking to some really incredible humans who have walked the path of addiction and made their way out of it. These are always so incredibly inspiring. I love having these conversations about how people do it what their story was, what their experience has been. And thank you for giving me your positive feedback on that, that you love it. And yeah, coming in three weeks, my first interview is with Anna David, who has become a friend of mine and I just love her. And the other thing I wanted to tell you about is that if you haven't already heard, uh, get ready because you're going to hear about it a lot. (laughs) Is that my book is available for pre-order. The official launch date is January 2nd of the new year. That is when it will be available in bookstores everywhere. And you can pre-order it online now, either from Amazon or your other favorite online retailer. And 
The truth is, if you order it online, it will ship a little bit sooner than it is in bookstores. We love our bookstores. I love to support local bookstores, independent bookstores. But if you want it a little bit earlier, then you can go ahead and order it online. There is some really magnificent bonuses that I'm giving away for those who do pre-order. I'm not going to tell you what every single one was, but I am going to tell you where you can find out about it. And there's also a link to pre-order the book. So that's at yourkickasslife.com forward slash HTS. F-L-S. And that stands for How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which is the name of my book that is coming out. That link is in the show notes for you. And I'm also going to be going on a small book tour. I'm going to be hitting the cities of New York City, San Diego, DC, Chicago, possibly Portland. And if you would like to be notified of updates about that, then this is sort of funny. You can text the word shit. That's right. S-H-I-T. Text the word shit to 444-999 if you want to be notified when I am going to be doing those workshops. For sure, we already have one planned for New York City These are very, very small, intimate workshops that I'm running. They are maximum of eight women. They are three-hour workshops where we're going to be working on things from the book as well as tools from The Daring Way. It's the work I do with my private clients. So if you're sure that you want into the New York City workshop, then... Head on over to the show notes and you will see the link in there because again, several of those spots are already taken and once it's sold out, it is sold out. But again, we have not booked dates for those other cities, so stay tuned. And if you want to be notified of those other cities, again, text the word shit to 444-999 and I think that that is about it for the announcements. I am so excited about this book. I can't even tell you and you guys are going to be hearing about it so much that you're going to want to just run out and buy it, right? Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I'm excited about today's conversation. Emily Hooks wrote the book on forgiveness, and you will hear all about it in the episode. Forgiveness is one of those things that's, it's loaded, right? Because there's the whole conversation about forgiving ourselves and then the whole conversation of forgiving other people. So we talk about both of those things in this episode. And let's see, before I jump in, let me tell you a little bit about Emily. Emily is an author, speaker, and founder of the Forgiveness Academy. Her book, The Power of Forgiveness, A Guide to Healing and Wholeness, is a comprehensive guide to forgiving as a healing practice. Emily speaks on forgiveness, finding self-empowerment by embracing our past and her personal journey. So without further ado, here is Emily. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, it's a pleasure to be here. I look forward to speaking with you. Oh yeah, me too. I love these conversations. They're always the highlight of my day, being able to talk to someone about personal development and obviously my favorite topic since, you know, we both work in it. And this topic, I was telling Emily before we started recording for those of you listening, that forgiveness is something I touch on a lot in the podcast, whether it's self-forgiveness or forgiving other people. And it's one of those underutilized topics in personal development. I don't know. I think people are talking about it a little bit more often, but that is a lot of your work in the world. And that's where we're going to start with a big question. I think it's probably not that big for you, but probably a big question for people listening. And can you tell us what is forgiveness as an act of self-empowerment? Wow, yes, absolutely. So I think the 
reason that forgiveness hasn't been a part of the personal development conversation up until now is because people have misunderstood what it means that, you know, and it is an act of mercy. It is an act of compassion. But more importantly, in my opinion, and, and what I mean by that is it's more important because it's a great motivator for people is that it truly is an act of self-empowerment. And what I mean by that is it frees us from the illusion that we are somehow a victim in our own lives. And that's what creates a lot of the stumbling blocks and the obstacles that people face is this idea that somehow they're powerless in their lives. And, you know, it's also true that it shatters the illusion that we're the bad guy. So sometimes we get caught up in this, you know, well, I don't deserve this or, you know, because I did this, I'm not a good person. And true forgiveness frees us from seeing life through those filters because in reality, life is more complex than that. We're all more complex. Nobody's a victim. Nobody's a bad guy. We're all, you know, messy, complicated human beings doing the best that we can. Yes, I agree with all of that. And I think, well, and this kind of brings me to my next question. When we're talking specifically about forgiving other people, what's interesting, and I don't know how I knew this from the beginning in, in my own experience, I went through a traumatic divorce and my husband was unfaithful and it was, it was really dramatic as well. And I know that a lot of people out there would be like, there's no way I would, I would forgive someone for doing that. And I knew from the beginning that I don't even know how I did this. Cause I wasn't really super into personal development yet at that time. I knew that me forgiving him was about him. However, I've known people who hold grudges for decades. I'm not even talking like years, like decades. They sure. carry around this. I will never forgive you. You don't deserve to be forgiven. So can you tell us like, why would someone go through the effort and energy and emotional stuff of forgiving people in their past. And sometimes they might still actually be in their present. Sure. You know, you're absolutely right. Not forgiving is the norm. We live in an unforgiving world and people are expected to be indignant forever mm -hmm. <laughs> for things that have happened. But the reality is that's a complete misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not about the other person at all. They have nothing to do with it. When I forgave the people in my life, and there were many extraordinary opportunities to practice forgiveness in my life, I never had a conversation with any of them about about forgiveness. They didn't know that I was forgiving them. It, for the people that were still in my life, they noticed that I became happier and that I became more free and more compassionate and more loving. But you don't need to involve the other person at any point in the process. It's about changing the relationship that you have with yourself, with your thoughts and your feelings. It's about neutralizing the feeling that you have about the things that have happened in the past and finding compassion for the jerks. Yeah. That's really what the process is about. And having compassion creates space for happiness and for, you know, big dreams and warm, loving, intimate relationships where if you hold on to resentments and shame and anger, you're not free to do those things as easily. True. Yes. And what's interesting is I like that you said, you know, having compassion for people and in the private work I do with women, this is something that we go through and just the understanding, and this is hard. I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying, you know, this is hard for most people and knowing that that person is doing or did the best that they could. And it doesn't mean that you still need to have them. And it's not like letting them off the hook, like, well, that's their best. So you can continue to be in my life. And like, that's where boundaries come in, you know, right. because that is their best. 
which might be in your book terrible, which some people right. is, and it is. Yeah. then you need to have some hard conversations and set some boundaries in your life. And which kind of brings me to my next question. And this is a question I get a lot and I know that you get that. So what is the barometer of forgiving someone? Like, is it just a decision? Do you just say, I forgive you? Because that's what I used to think it was. Like, you just say, I forgive you and all is, is well. But is it a feeling? Is it a thought process? What does it look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think the answer to that question or the misunderstanding of that, that it's just about saying, I forgive you and moving on is the reason that forgiveness isn't utilized more in personal development, because that's what people believe. But here's how you can tell. If the person pops into your mind and the first thought you have is a compassionate thought, then you've forgiven them. You know, so my father was abusive. He kidnapped me and I, you know, and hid me from my family for three and a half years. And he was a violent, unhealthy man. And I can tell you that when I think of him, I have the same love and compassion that I have for my son and for everyone else in my life because I've forgiven him. Mm -hmm. And that's how you know is, you know, when you can have compassion and you're absolutely right. Let's be super clear. Boundaries are essential, right? Just because you have compassion for somebody doesn't mean that you want them in your life. Those are two completely separate things. And that's an important distinction to remember. So yeah, that's how you know if the first thought that you have is, you know, I really hope that person is happy and prosperous and all of those beautiful things. And when you talk about the event, it's sort of emotionally neutral. There's no stirring up that happens. That's interesting. I had no idea how you were going to answer that. And I, I, I was thinking about, I love that. And I was thinking about like, how do I know, you know, and the biggest person I think that I had to forgive in my life was my ex-husband. And, and I thought to myself, like, what do I think of when I think of him? And, and it did take me a while. I think that here's what it looks like for me, you know, cause you know, I think it's important to get like different people's experiences and wow. Yeah. What a thing that you had to forgive for your father. At first I thought you were just giving like a random example, but that actually happened to you, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. That is quite an act of forgiveness, especially yes. when it's a parent. I think it's a whole nother enchilada, which I would love to get into, but please hold. So I, in answering that question, like when I think of my ex-husband and this took me a while, I mean, it's been 11 years now and I now know, and again, this is something else that took me a while to learn is that hurt people hurt people right. and that he acted the way he did out of his own self-preservation, out of his own insecurities and shame and all of the struggles that he had. And right. that I genuinely want him to be well. I want him to, I wouldn't necessarily say I have compassion for him and it might just be like semantics. Right. I genuinely want him to heal. I do. Like, I don't want him to hurt himself anymore. Cause I know he went through a lot of struggle. Like I don't want him to hurt other people anymore. And I, I want him to be well for the sake of himself and for the sake of his family and for the sake of the world. And but I will say this though. Sometimes when I think about the events that took place, it still stings a little bit. And I'm like, that really sucked. <laughs> and I would mm. never want that for anyone, but I don't think it means I haven't forgiven him. I think that all of that is useful information. So you think, yeah, absolutely, I do. So, you know, when we reach the point of absolute forgiveness, what we realize is that there is nothing to forgive. And so ultimately, you know, the last part of what you said about, you know, it still stings a little. And the second, what you said after that is you would never want that to happen to somebody else. And of course you wouldn't, that would never change. 
But when we get to the point of recognizing the connection and the relationship between the things that have happened in our lives and who we are today, in other words, when we fall madly in love with who we are today, then we reach a point where we don't want the past to be different Mm -hmm. because it made us who we are. And that's not a begrudging, oh, I'm so glad that happened. It's a deep sense of gratitude for the experiences in our lives because it made us who we are. It made you capable of being able to help other women and to contribute in the world in such a big and beautiful way. And if that hadn't happened, that might not be the case. Right. There's definitely been times in my life where my paycheck ran out before I got paid again, and I wish I could have accessed my next paycheck a few days before I was due to get it. Well, what if I told you that can happen with Earnin? Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to, therapy visits, rent, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I've taken several classes with Masterclass on things like communication, entrepreneurship, and storytelling, and absolutely loved everyone because of their caliber of instructors and how concise the classes are. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. You can make new habits with New York Times bestselling author James Clear, improve your physical and mental well-being with leading gut health experts, or build stronger relationships with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perez. She is so amazing. I had gotten curious about how to be a better communicator, so I took the Art of Negotiation class with Chris Voss, and it helped me to do things like read body language, read speech patterns, and so much more, so I can better communicate with who you ask? My teenagers. (laughs) Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Andrea. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Andrea. Masterclass.com slash Andrea. Do you think that, because I kind of want to circle back to the, and I know you've probably worked with many people on this, and do you think that, you know, for me, I feel, I make up that, and this may not be true, but I make up that it's easier for me to forgive someone that I don't have to see or communicate with anymore. He and I did not have children together. It was a clean break. And, you know, I have not laid eyes on him or been in the same room with him in 11 years. So, but I can imagine, you know, if I did still have to see him regularly, it might be a different story. And I might have had a harder time forgiving mm-hmm. him or he might have like, you know, continued to trigger me or I imagine it would look very different. So what do you think about, 
you know, when it is a parent, someone that you either have to decide to be estranged from or have a boundary relationship with when maybe that's my question is how does it look different when, or does it, when the person is either a very close member of your family, like a parent or sibling or something like that. And, or when that person is still has to continue to be in your life. Yeah, that's a great question because there are some fundamental differences and it really does come down to making the distinction between trust and reconciliation and forgiveness. So these two things are completely separate and people tend to mingle them, you know, to conflate the ideas and believe that if they find compassion, if they find a place of neutrality around it, that somehow that means that they need to trust them again. And trust isn't about you know, our personal healing, that's about compromise. It's about whether or not remorse has been been offered, whether or not there is an agreement about what works and doesn't work. It's about creating boundaries. And, you know, even if they're perfectly normal and healthy boundaries, sometimes two people have different ideas about what that is. And so, It's really important when you're still in relationship with somebody that you vet those two two ideas out, that trust and reconciliation are interpersonal. The Buddha makes distinction really, really beautifully because and it's actually much more difficult to rebuild trust and develop reconciliation because it requires something from another person. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness doesn't require anything from another human being. So you're absolutely right. The fact that you haven't seen your ex did make the process easier because you know, you didn't have to work on the two processes at the same time simultaneously. Whether or not you trusted him was not relevant. Mm-hmm. And so all you had to do was focus on, you know, finding your forgiveness. And when we're in these messy, ongoing relationships that are life, sometimes we have to do both at the same time and that can make it more difficult. But it is possible to vet the two ideas out and focus just on the forgiveness piece and the interpersonal piece separately. Yes. I, yeah. I imagine that I never actually even thought about it that way is that is the, the reestablishment of trust and that takes time and happens organically. And I can see how it would be a, a little bit of like a two steps forward, three steps back process sometimes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What, what is the relationship? Cause we talk about shame a lot over here on the podcast. What do you feel is the relationship between shame and forgiveness and self-forgiveness? So forgiveness, if you wanted to describe the process, is a process of self-actualization, personal development, personal growth. And in that process, we're moving through feelings, the hurt feelings, shame, anger, and resentment are the big three. And we're exchanging those for self-love, self-compassion, and empathy for other people. So when it comes to self-forgiveness, it's about that focus on the shame, And it's really important in that definition to recognize that we're moving through the feelings. Mm -hmm. You know, we're taught in Brene Brown's amazing when it comes to this conversation on shame. We're really taught to hide the shame and to be really, really hard on ourselves, that we won't act right if we don't punish ourselves Mm -hmm. brutally and that we're not 
we're really asked to carry a cross of our mistakes all the way to the grave in our culture today. And that's just silly because as long as you're focused on what you did wrong, you can't contribute, right? I mean, this is about figuring out how to make the world a beautiful place together for everyone. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're focused on the things that we've done, and believe me, I speak from experience. I was a single mother with an addiction problem, and I caused a great deal of harm for my family and for my son. So as a parent, and there aren't very many things more difficult to forgive, I made some very fundamental mistakes. And so believe me, I understand that we don't want to experience the shame because it's painful, but we have to. Yeah, We have to, because as long as we hold on to shame, as long as we hold on to non-forgiveness for ourselves, what we're telling the people in our lives is that somehow the things we've done, the mistakes we've made have broken them, have somehow taken them off their natural course. And that's just not true. That's not possible. Nobody has the power to do that. Life is about learning lessons. And sometimes those lessons are very painful, but we don't have the power to take another human being off their course. Girl, you are speaking my language. (laughs) Yes, to all of that. And I want to stop for a moment and go off on a little diatribe. So please forgive me for this. But I just, I want to sort of, I like to lay out the foundation of what this looks like in a cyclical way, because I know my listeners and I know what they struggle with. I feel like I've been doing this long enough and I'm, you know, well-versed in in Brene's work and her research. And here's what I've, I've seen happen. So everybody has shame in their life. And I want to point out, and I do point this out a lot, but I think it's worth underscoring if anybody hasn't heard it. Because I think sometimes when people hear the word shame, whether they read it quickly in a book or hear it on a podcast, they think, I don't walk around feeling ashamed all the time. That's not Mm. me. And so what I want to say to that is you do, but you just don't know. So hear me out. So, you know, we all know what that feels like. We all know that feeling of being of feeling fundamentally broken, of feeling other than, of feeling like just that we are wrong for being who we are. It might not be a constant feeling for everyone listening, but we know what that feels like to have at least those moments. And Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is that we have something that we've done in our past. Like, let's speak specifically about self-forgiveness, like what Emily was saying. So you have some a mistake that you've made in your life that you do need to work on and forgive yourself for because it is causing shame in your life. When you don't address that and work on healing from that, what I see ends up happening is that you engage in behaviors. And this is what my whole second book is about. This is why I wrote this book because I kept seeing over and over these group of behaviors that women do. And that's where the perfectionism comes in. That's where the people pleasing and approval seeking comes in control, chronic overachieving, sometimes for some people, self-sabotage, hiding out and numbing. There's a few more, but I'll leave it at that, that we do that. We feel like that's our answer. You know, if I just look perfect for everyone, if I just get everyone to like me, if I can just control the situation and we can't, and then we end up, you know, those behaviors end up making us feel completely like shit. And then we end up feeling worse about ourselves and the shame cycle starts all over and we start beating ourselves up for the thing that we did or something else. And that's the cycle, everyone listening, like that's what it works for. That's why I want to emphasize the importance of what Emily was saying about healing. I think you said it really well on your website. Let me pull that up really quick. You said forgiveness is the most important path toward healing that we can undertake. I think like bold letters, you guys, (laughs) (laughs) whether it's forgiving other people, but specifically to this topic that we're just touching on is self forgiveness. My question for you is, 
And if you want to add anything to that, perfect. But also my question for you is, what do you find? Because I, what I hear sometimes from women is like, I don't feel like I carry anything around specific. Do you think that it's, right. does that get lost sometimes with people? Or do they think that it's like these big things that these mistakes that they had to have had to have any self-forgiveness work to be done? Right. Yeah. I think what you said about shame, you know, do you have it? Yes. <laughs> I think the same is true for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Do you have the need for forgiveness? Yes, you absolutely do. If you've cleared the past, right? Done, and that takes a long time. It took me 15 years. What do you mean by that? Cleared the past? It means, you know, there aren't people in my past that I haven't forgiven. Oh, okay, I have, gotcha. I have compassion for all of them. Okay. Uh, and gratitude for those experiences. But if you're living life, new opportunities for forgiveness pop up. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a lifelong thing. <laughs> right. So it's that, in that sense, it is something that we have to do forever. But, you know, it's a myth that people think that you, forgiving things that have happened in the past is something you have to work on forever. That just isn't true. You can reach a point of completion with the things that have happened in the past. But to go back to your question... And would you repeat your question? I just want to make sure. Yeah, I, I was curious because like, I think some people, when they think of or hear the term, you know, self-forgiveness, they think that it has right. to, they try to rack their brain for big mistakes that they, they might hear this podcast and say like, well, I've, I was never a mother who had an addiction problem, or I never, right. you know, made these big monumental mistakes that I feel like I need to, it, it might be like smaller things that they beat themselves up for on like a regular right. basis. Yeah. So the last chapter of my book, I start with a conversation about this because I think it's really important to recognize if there is quote unquote dysfunction, I'm not a big fan of, you know, diagnostic terms, but if life isn't showing up the way you want it to show up, I like that. (laughs) Right. Like if you're, you know, if you go left and you end up you know, on a different street than you thought you were going to be on, then there's an opportunity for forgiveness. And the way to find out what that is, is to start from where you are, trace the thread backwards, right? So, you know, what, you know, because life is trying to show us what it is we need to heal, what it is we need to forgive, what it is we need to learn. And it's not all about, you know, this idea of, you know, being broken and needing to heal. It's a healing is just, you know, it's just a way for us to evolve, right? Everybody has the opportunity to quote unquote heal because it's about self-actualization. It's about becoming a more empowered version of ourselves. And if life isn't showing up the way you want it to, then start from where you are and reflect. And I teach people to do that by getting in touch with you know, how they feel in their body, you know, your body can tell you everything you need to know if you have the acuity and the, and the skills to get in touch with that, you know, by reflecting on certain things, your body will respond with tension or with lightness. And if it's tension, then that's an opportunity. There's something in that for us to, to know and to figure out. And it can be small things, you know, it could be the birth of a younger sibling when you were three, right? It could be, you know, your first love, you know, you know, flirting with another girl down the hall. It could be or a boy, or it could be, you know, a teacher picking someone else first in, in fifth grade or in 12th grade. You know, those things are defining moments sometime in our life. You know, people think we talk a lot about trauma, And what trauma essentially is, is how you've been impacted. It's not what happens. Like the rest of the world doesn't get to decide if there's the need for forgiveness. 
you decide that and you decide it based on the impact of what happened. So, you know, if you worked really, really hard on a paper in 10th grade and you got a B and that defined your college and your first three jobs, that's a need for forgiveness, even though everyone else in the world might think it was silly. It's, it doesn't have anything to do with what other people think. So we all absolutely have the opportunity to find healing through forgiveness and self-forgiveness. That's a really great tool. And what did you call it? Looking for the thread and going backwards? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's really interesting. I know that anytime I've taken, some, you know, kind of actually sat down and did the work of any kind of life inventory, I've, I've been in the rooms and recovery. And if any Anybody's been through a 12 step program, you know, that step four is, is listing out your resentments and that would look more like, you know, forgiving other people. And it's always so incredibly eye opening. I even did it more recently around the topic of money. And do you have any mm-hmm. money resentments? That was a page long going all the way back to elementary school about how somebody stole my pencil collection. And I was so mad. Ah. <laughs> Perfect. Isn't perfect that like, it was fifth grade, I think fifth grade. And I was still mad. Like, why would some other kid, you know, and it was like, <laughs> oh, wow, there's something there. And I like that you said that it's not the thing. Like, is it kind of silly? Sure. Like from a logical perspective, but it was the impact that it had on me and how it ends up shaping our future as, as adults and how we see the world and how we react to things. And it, it can be way more impactful than we might think. <laughs> Right. Everything that happens, you know, has some effect on the direction we go in life. Yes. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for for a battle-tested solution. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash noise. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes I'll wear my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. (laughs) 
which is a great segue to the next question about, you know, our life story and, and how can we, and this is like a, a big question, but how can we reclaim our story as humans to create an experience of self-love and compassion that you've been kind of touching on over since we've been talking? Sure. So in the book, I talk about five skills that we can develop to become forgiving human beings. That's what the book is really about. It's about how do you become a naturally how do you leverage it as a virtue, just like, you know, empathy and, and other things. And one of those skills is understanding the relationship that you have to your story. Here's the punchline with that. What happened happened in the past right? Mm -hmm. When we view the need for healing through that lens of what happened, we feel powerless because we can't change the past. And that's true. But the story that we have about what happened is happening in the present moment. It's not the same thing. The story that you have about what happened is absolutely not what happened. Something happened. Uh Something happened. But we have an extraordinary capacity as human beings to defend our injury. And we do that by rewriting the story constantly. There are also, you know, well-researched biases that we have that, you know, when one of those is about filling in the blank spot. So when something happens, you know, the reality is we don't remember all of the details like we think we do. And I just want to be, I'm going to pause here because I always like when we're really, really clear. I'm not saying that something didn't happen, Mm -hmm. right? That's absolutely a completely different thing. And that's not true. And we know it's not true because there's impact, first of all. And second of all, because you know, right? We know when something happened, even when it might be something smaller. I just want to be really clear on that because people who have been victims of abuse and other things are often denied their story. And it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the story that you have about what happened is not the same thing as what happened. And the beautiful thing about that, you have power over the present moment. You have power over what the story really is. And what happens in the process of forgiveness, once we get really, really clear on this distinction, and I would encourage listeners to just meditate on it. You know, some people have a lot of resistance to this idea. And I promise, if you just reflect on it, you know, create space for it, read the book, if you want more clarity on it. It's, and there are other resources about this too. Once we get that distinction, there's a sense of personal power that we have that we don't have as long as we believe that this what happened is the same as the story that we have about what happened. So when we forgive, literally, we end up rewriting the story, right? So I used to think that my life was a series of tragic events. And truly, there have been many objectively, quote unquote, tragic things that have happened in my life. And as I already said in this conversation, today I wouldn't change a thing. Today I'm grateful for those experiences. And so are they tragedies? Well, that's for everybody else to decide and for me to decide. And for me, they are not tragedies because they give me the ability to be the person that I am today and to learn the lessons, the new lessons I have to learn today. 
And that's literally how we get to rewrite our story mm -hmm. uh, when, when we forgive. And that's not me being delusional. I just want to be really clear. That's not, <laughs> you know, that's not me going, oh, yeah, I'm so glad that happened, right? Like, that's we're, that's not the same thing. We're not making things up in yeah. this process. It's, no, it's I, a, I believe you. Yeah. I don't think you're delusional. And maybe, yeah. maybe I believe you partly because I've done, I've had the same process happen. And I have had people at, you know, when they hear my full story and it's the full story was actually two back-to-back -back relationships. You know, the first one ended and I immediately did the most unhealthy thing as I started dating again and met someone who was equally as, I'm going to use the, go ahead and use the word dysfunctional in this yeah. instance, <laughs> as equally as dysfunctional as I was at the time. And the two of us were a perfect match and it ended up being long story short. He was a person who lied about having cancer to cover up his opiate addiction. And I didn't know until the very end. And it was, I lost most of myself, including thousands and thousands of dollars and my dignity and just so, just so it was such a, a bad, tragic story. And mm -hmm. I think that on the other side of that, you know, there was a period of time where I told that story from a place of victimhood, from a place of attention seeking, from a right. place of sympathy seeking. I wanted people to feel sorry for me. I wanted people to be on my side. Like, look yeah. at, look at all these atrocities that have happened to me. Don't you feel bad for me? Put me on a pedestal. And that is, I think I needed to go through that. And I look back with compassion on that, that woman. Yeah. And I actually, you know, side note for that story, I had a lot of shame around that. You know, when I did kind of jump into this whole personal development thing, I was ashamed of the decisions I had made, plus how I was acting right afterwards. And I've since, you know, I actually wrote myself a letter, a letter of just compassion and, and love. And anyway, I think that to just underscore what you were saying is that I rewrote my story. I wrote it yeah. from a place of... It was empowerment, but more just, just really using it to, as a testimony to what is possible. You know, I, I survived that and came out a completely different person. I am a true testament to the fact that like you can use what happens to you for good. And I'm right. so grateful to those men for choosing me and for doing that. And I truly believe that it was a catalyst for me to live my best life. But, you know, had I stayed in that sad victim place, which again, I, I do think it's, it's okay to be there. Like if anyone's listening and they're there, right. you know, welcome to that part of your life. Like that's where you need to be and that you can choose another way when you're ready. And I will just say this last thing, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, Emily. It feels a hell of a lot better to be here it does. <laughs> than to be in that victim place. Yeah. And you touched on something really important in what you just said. The attachment that we have to the story is currently showing up in our lives. The degree of attachment is oftentimes related to our desire to not see our part, mm -hmm. right? So when it, um, <laughs> it's all their right? fault, <laughs> right? We just want to stay in a space of blame and not see. We, you know, reality is, you know, we are an active participant in our lives throughout our lives, and we are, you know, and that's really what my book is about. It's about finding our accountability in our own lives and compassion for the things that have happened. So it's, that was a good point to bring up. Yeah. I just, I think that this whole topic can be complicated. Um, and by complicated, I mean, it's going to look different for every single person, but I love that you, that you have a process and, and I, I love all of your ideas and, and advice for this. So everybody, we will link up to the show notes for Emily's website, as well as her book too. It's the power of forgiveness, a guide to healing and wholeness. 
And she's over at emilyjhooks.com. Thank you so very much for being here and having this conversation with me today. Thank you, Andrea. It was a pleasure. It really was. And it's my favorite thing to do, have these conversations. So thank you very much. You're welcome. And everyone out there, thank you so much for being here and being a part of this podcast and this community. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much. And until next time, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. Hey, ass kickers, you know, it would help me out so much if you left a rating and review for this podcast. Your Kick-Ass Life podcast will always be free to you and to help me get more awesome guests and to spread the word. It helps tremendously if you leave a rating and a review. Now, they don't particularly make this super easy to do, so I'll help you out a little. If you're in iTunes and you're on your phone, when you are in the podcast app, you need to search for Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. I know, even if you're subscribed, this is how you do it. So when you search for it and you see it come up, click on the cover art, then towards the top where it says reviews, click that, scroll down a tiny little bit, and then click write a review. Stitcher is a bit easier if you're on Android. The easiest way I found to do this is to type into Google stitcher.com, your kick-ass life, and voila, my podcast should pop up as the first link. Scroll down and click write a review. That's it. Thank you so very much. You have no idea how much it helps me when you do that. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask-Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.